0: Good morning. Welcome to Driving Theology. It is a uh, fairly nice, slightly hazy, but kind of sunny Wednesday in late October. We are just a few days from Halloween. So let's see. Today's Wednesday, Halloween's on Saturday. Make today, what, 28th, I guess? Two days past my mom's 75th anniversary. If you're listening, hi, Mom. Happy anniversary. Uh, anniversary, sorry. Happy birthday. <laughs> uh, hope you enjoyed your day. Um, yeah, so I have a little bit of a cold still been hanging around for nearly two weeks now. I guess it's been about 10 days. It's getting better, <clears throat> or maybe I'm just learning to live with it better. I don't know. Um, it's something that does affect my voice a little bit, so if I sound a little out of sorts, it's probably because I am. Um, I'll also try to not hack into the microphone. Uh, if that need should arise. Uh, Anyway, what's going on with you guys? We are just uh, a few days now, I guess a week, from Election Day. A week from tomorrow, huh? Um, First Thursday in November, November 3rd. um, The day that we will decide who is going to have the reins of the country for the uh, next four years. Uh, Chances are it's going to be either Donald Trump or Joe Biden. One of the two. Um, And I am not voting. I'm just going to put that out there. I went through the process, probably farther in the process than I've ever gone to get my ballot. Um, But right around the time... Deadline was coming on that I should vote. uh, I I really did not have a candidate that I believed in. Uh, Now, of course, I may have believed in one more than the other um, in the sense that I didn't like one uh, and kind of hoped that. uh, Oh, I just forgot something. Oh, well, my wife's going to get me. Uh, I had, uh, some, uh, well, I have, I have a lot of distrust of Donald Trump. Obviously I think that's, I can just say that. I think everybody understands that if you listen to my podcast or if you know me, but that doesn't mean that I necessarily have trust in Joe Biden. It's just that I guess I'd rather roll the dice, um, roll the dice, uh, on Joe, um, bringing some stability back to the, to the, uh, situation, than four more years of Trump. But that having been said, I really didn't feel a, a strong direction one way or the other, uh, about the time I probably should have sent my ballot in. So I am withholding my vote, um, this election, uh, whether it's whether it's from you know ideological uh, actual actual ideological um, reasons or um, <laughs> if it's laziness um, who knows we'll just have to wait and see um, but be that as it may that's what has happened I actually think that withholding your vote is a uh, completely valid Christian response uh, to elections. I think voting is a completely valid response to elections, as well as long as, as long as we we don't uh, put our hopes and trust in any man uh, to bring about the kingdom of God. And that, that's that's my biggest beef against uh, the evangelical. The overwhelming evangelical support of Trump is that uh, they have idolized him as some kind of a, a messiah that's going to bring back some some uh, m- mythological uh, romanticized version of uh, the past, um, which I don't see as a as a good thing at all. <clears throat> First of all, because the, the past was not as good as we remembered it. Certainly not for everybody. Uh, and <laughs> just uh, logically, the only way forward is forward. You don't, you don't go back. And even if you go back, when you get back, because you have changed and you have lived, uh, if, if you were to return to the past, it would not be as you remembered it. Because you have grown and progressed as a person. And so the past would not be what you remember. It's sort of like going back and watching uh, old cartoons as an adult. You know, you you have in your mind, man, if I could only watch those, you know, Scooby-Doo shows or the old Batman. And then you go back and watch it and you're like, wow, this is horrible stuff. I loved it so much as a kid. But looking at it now, it's just, it's just not... It's it's not good t- TV, is it? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's happened to everybody uh, at one time or another. And to me, that's the it's the same it's the same concept of trying to return to uh, to a a past era that you lived through. Because you lived through it, uh, you would not experience it the same as you did when you actually, we're living through it. Uh, you have changed as a person, uh, and everybody changes over time. As they say, change is the most uh, reliable constant, right? Um, one of the things you can depend on that doesn't change is the fact that you will change, and that everything changes. Uh, the world is all about change, really. You know, the, the uh, cyclical change of the seasons, which I'm, you know, I can witness just looking outside my window, car window right now. With the, we've got the uh, pigweed in full bloom, which I can't stand, an invasive weed um, from the states that has invaded Japan. I guess for payback from uh, kudzu, <laughs> went from Japan to to America. But this weed, when it blooms, it puts pollen in the air, and and I pretty sure I'm allergic to that pollen anyway um change is just one of the things that life's all about you know our bodies our bodies age uh, trees grow um, flowers bloom and and go through cyclical process as well as have uh, a lifetime where they are alive for a time and then they die Uh, and then you know rebirth happens change is just one of those things that that is part of what we do. Another word for change is growth, right? Uh, Positive change we would call growth. Um, I'm not sure what we call negative change. Uh, Regression, maybe. And that's why this this idea of, you know, make America great again, um, to go back to some uh bygone era uh, is is first of all not possible uh, and and second of all it's just you know it's not possible <laughs> I guess sorry for my uh, <clears throat> raspy laugh I uh, sound like a like a lifetime smoker this week Really? So, anyway, uh, <clears throat> I suppose now if, if, if I were to be able to push a button and it would be very simple and it was in front of me, I'd probably uh, vote for Joe Biden. I have a new respect for him after watching the debates uh, and reading articles about him that I, I really didn't know a lot about him. Uh, I have a newfound uh, respect for him and I actually feel like he would he would try uh, to make things better, that that would be um, that he has a good heart for that and, and, and he doesn't have a skewed skewed idea of what that would be. at least not as bad as I think the GOP uh, and uh, Trump supporters have right now. Uh, the world seems a dark place these days. Um, much because of what's much much because of what's been going on uh, in American politics. Um, I think. And, uh, you know, maybe part of it's my age as well. You know, I'm getting to a point where um, I have less delusions, perhaps. Sorry, I'm trimming a fingernail. I know I probably shouldn't do that. I stopped at a stoplight and I had a nail that had broken. Um, so yeah, uh, that's where we are, uh, there. As far as, uh, Spiritual things, you know, I'm talking about the world seems a little darker these days to me. Part of it's because it's the autumn and the, the world is actually getting darker. <laughs> so there is that. Um, also because of COVID-19, um, the, the fear that exists around the world of catching... And, and God forbid, dying of COVID-19 is still very real. Um, numbers seem to be spiking in the U.S. <clears throat> and the U.S. is also on the forefront of, of uh, countries who seem to be resisting preventative measures, such as masks in uh, public and private places, um, thinking that it's somehow... A violation of their individual rights, their constitutional rights to have to, to, to to wear a mask, which is, oh, it's just silly, right? It's just, you know, it's it's not the same thing as as free speech and uh, you know, free free other things. Um, so, yeah, people are kind of going off the rails with this stuff. Uh, thinking that somehow somebody's trying to, to to rule the world by making you wear a mask uh, and, and preventing the the further spread of COVID-19, which is just silliness. Anyway, the world is a silly place sometimes, and I guess I'm not surprised. We're also in a in an in an era of uh, widespread what's the word I want to say, entertainment of conspiracy theories. Um, they seem to be more popular than ever before. Even my, my daughters at one point got into these websites that were uh, about conspiracy theories. It almost becomes a, has become a genre of literature, right? Uh, conspiracy theory. I guess it, it has been a genre for a while. Uh, the Dan Brown books come to mind. Um, talking about the Illuminati and, and whatnot. But as long as it's fiction, and you know it's fiction, is fine, but the problem is people are, are starting to latch on to some of these conspiracy theories. Especially evangelicals are latching on to uh, conspiracy theories that are at a higher and higher rate, it seems like. And, uh, you know, we have these words like the deep state, the deep web, the deep state. Um, what are some of the other things? Q QAnon apparently is this source of a lot of these conspiracy theories that, that people are buying into. Uh, you know, basically devil worship and, and uh, all kinds of sinister uh, hidden uh, plans and agendas uh, attributed to people in power and, and all of this kind of things you know, and these kinds of things I'm not sure I right now ascribe to any conspiracy theories although I do find them interesting and I have read Dan, Dan Brown's books uh, I found those extremely uh, entertaining but it does the problem with with uh, uh, mixing fact and fiction is that at some point you you may uh, if, you're, if you're not well-read or well-educated, uh, you may start to uh, blur the lines between fact, fact and fiction and, and not know the difference between the two, uh, not know it when you read it. That is possible as well. And that's not good. That would not be a positive thing. All right, I think I'm going to shift gears here uh, and try to remember a conversation or two that I had on uh, Facebook this week with um, John Racine. John is a, uh, as far as I know, is an atheist or perhaps an agnostic uh, guy who I have met but haven't really been friends with but have become more friendly with him on Facebook. He's... He's a guy willing to uh, engage and think about and talk about different things, um, and he and, I, he and I have had some disagreements, but mostly constructive conversations, uh, even even when we find ourselves at odds. Um, he, he seems to be one who who dismisses uh, all religion as as false, and and uh, I you know, my views on religion probably, uh, but uh, I I tend to try to be a critic of religion, but realizing that it can have its place uh, and effect uh, when when wielded properly or used properly. Wielded is a horrible way to say that. It sounds like it's a weapon and Actually, religion has been weaponized. Uh, weaponized religion is one of the probably worst scourges ever to hit the earth. Um, Lenny and I were talking about some things, that I'm having problems recollecting exactly what we talked about, uh, what it was in relation to. I know it was in relation to evangelicalism uh, and... Uh, politics and well one of the things we talked about um, was uh, the pro-life pro-choice uh, uh, political positions. And uh, I, I think I, had, uh, I I wrote a post uh, saying that I wish that we just call it pro and anti-abortion, right? I feel like it'd be a lot easier than calling it pro-choice and pro-life because uh, even even people who are pro-choice are not pro-choice about everything. Uh, you know, they, they'd be uh, pro-choice uh, about abortion perhaps, but they wouldn't be pro-choice about uh, killing a five-year-old child, <laughs> for example. Um, whereas uh, pro-lifers are, you know, pro life as far as uh, abortion, right? But most pro-lifers also support the death penalty. Um, they're not pro-life in that way. So why don't we just call a spade a spade uh, and, and uh, be more specific about what the issue actually is? Well, to say somebody's pro-abortion is not quite right, because it's not like that people who support abortion rights are pro-abortion. They just support a woman's right to choose whether or not to support the life in their body or not, right? Whether or not they're going to uh, give birth to a child or not. They support a woman's right to choose what to do with her own body? Um, which, for me, and for a lot of pro-life people, it what it does is devalues that other life that is growing within her, and and gives gives that person zero rights whatsoever. And I know there's some there's you know some philosophy that that has brought this about, and that there are ways to, to justify this, it doesn't seem to be a tenable, uh, tenable position for Christians. For atheists, I think it's, you know, completely tenable, I get it, you know, uh, natural selection and what have you. But, uh, they are for a woman's right to choose abortion. And so, to me, pro-abortion, it's fine to say that uh, without you know having to attribute any other weird, any weirdness to it. It's not like they're happy about abortions, it's that they, they are understanding about the situation that a woman can be in, uh, and they want to leave the choice up to the woman. Fair enough. I understand their position. Pro-life, on the other hand, uh, seems to have focused all of its efforts of life only on abortion, uh, but uh, doesn't seem to bat an eyelash uh, with police brutality, with uh, war, um, with death penalty, with Mass incarceration. Um, And I will say this about mass incarceration. I I think humankind is showing signs of maturing on this front. I I do understand it's a difficult thing, Uh, especially in the case of violent offenders. What do you do? What do you do? And what is the Christian way to deal with a violent person? A person who would uh, injure or kill other people. What What is the Christian way to deal with that? Um, is the Christian way to give them the death penalty? If they've taken a life, they should lose their life. Is the Christian way to lock them up for their entire life? Right? Uh, is the Christian way to uh, somehow... Um, make their life horrible while they're locked up, to punish them every day for the choice that they have made? Uh, Is the Christian way to rehabilitate them and somehow find a a path for them to reenter society uh, in some capacity eventually? Uh, Is the Christian way simple forgiveness, simply letting the uh, crime go even if it's murder, and hoping that the person doesn't murder again. You know, it's a difficult question is what I'm trying to say. It's very difficult, right? It's difficult to, for, for many reasons. Number one, because we don't understand what justice means. We don't understand the word justice. We think we do, but we don't. Not in terms of who God is. We don't understand justice. Uh, and um, we're not very good at forgiving, to be honest. We're not very good at that at all. Uh, and we are, are confused about uh, what reconciliation means and how we do it and, and, and what it means to discipline, Right? Uh, what it means to um, punish, right? What punishment is? What's the difference between punishment and discipline? Uh, we're confused on all that. And I think all mankind has has been confused on that for some time. Uh, and mostly we choose to use our own way and to do things the way we would do them. And we have failed to ascertain the heart of God on such matters, and follow God's pattern of justice and reconciliation. Um, in fact, the, the, the clue is that God's justice is reconciliation. Um, I learned last night, uh, I had heard it before, but I think I'm starting to internalize it, wakaisuru, wakaisuru is the Japanese word for reconcile. Uh, we we studied Colossians last night, and Colossians one uh, addresses the um, topic of reconciliation several times. I was studying with some Japanese people last night. and and it talks about um, it talks about reconciliation that that Christ did. On the cross, once and for all, he reconciled us in his body by the blood of his cross, right? is found in Colossians 1. Uh, in other words, what Christ did, reconciled the world, not anything that we do. But then later in Colossians, he seems to backtrack a little bit and, and says, uh, since you have been reconciled, uh, don't lose your reconciliation, right? Don't go back to uh, your former evil ways when you were an enemy of God Um, but keep your faith stand in your faith Uh, don't lose the hope that you have in the gospel of Christ and basically the power of his cross right Uh, so so somehow there is there is a sense uh, that both Jesus reconciled everyone at once on the cross uh, but there's also a sense that reconciliation is supposed to have a, a temporal effect on you now. You, you may be reconciled by Christ, but not live as a reconciled person. And that describes a lot of people on earth who continue uh, to, to deny the power of Jesus and, and still have shame still live in shame and guilt for their past sins, and I think that's probably everyone to a certain extent, uh, but some people more than others Uh, I I myself have struggled with uh, shame and guilt uh, more so a long time ago, more than I do now Um, but I would say it's still there to some extent there are still regrets that I have um uh, still perhaps labels that I may put on myself that I know that Christ has removed, uh, and yet I find it difficult to let go of. Um, it's, it is it is difficult. We've talked about this in the past, but it's difficult to, to trust the identity you have in Christ. Sometimes. It can be difficult. Uh... And yeah, so so this idea of, of I know I've gone on, off on a tangent. Um, it's probably what this podcast should be called. Uh, but I was talking about the, the choice of, you know, pro-life or, or, or pro-abortion, uh, sorry, pro-abortion, anti-abortion, as probably more helpful uh, terms than pro-life or pro-choice. Anyway, Having said that, um, my friend John, uh, I also made the comment that I thought that the GOP really was not in their best interest to reverse Roe versus Wade, right? It's not in their best interest to uh, to stop allowing abortions. because when they do, Uh, when they finally solve that problem, a lot of the single-issue voters who have been uh, voting for the GOP may lose interest in the GOP uh, and may go elsewhere to a party that better um, lines up with the the rest of their Christian values. Uh, But for right now, they've pretty much put all their eggs in the abortion basket. Uh, pun intended, which I said on Facebook too, uh, and and um, and so they 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 don't care that Trump is immoral, uh, a serial adulterer, uh, perhaps. Sorry, I can't show the result to you while you're in the car. <laughs> I said serial, not Syria, Siri. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> I think that's Siri's first time to appear on my podcast. <laughs> hmm, I wonder if she can read the Bible to me. would be interesting. I uh, hadn't thought about that. She, she may be a uh, contributor in the near future. I'm running just a tad late. Man, I really need to get through this light. So, um, anyway... Uh, if if the GOP finally reverses Roe versus Wade, uh, they could lose a large part of their base, uh, who were single issue voters. Um, I, I suppose it could flip flop both ways, um, but there's really not much else keeping those voters there. Uh, traditionally, at least when I was growing up, it seems like uh, the Catholic community was much more Democratic. Uh, and many, many other Christian voters were were Democrats for a long time, uh, and then toward the end of the '70s, into the '80s, the Reagan years uh, is when things uh, flip flopped, which is also when Roe versus Wade uh, came into effect, I, I believe, in the late '70s, uh, and drove a lot of more conservative. Uh, Christian people toward the, the GOP uh, and they've been trying to reverse roe versus Wade ever since um, to the point where basically there's they've sold their souls uh, on that one issue. Now I've seen memes on Facebook where where you know Christians uh, the meme goes something like this: abortion is the one issue where people are literally willing to ignore all of the good things Jesus did right to 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 uh, ignore basically Jesus's example uh, in order to uh, in order to stop something that Jesus never talked about and what the the, the accusation is that Jesus, never said one way or the other on abortion. He never talked about it. And and on the face of things, on the face of things, I kind of get what they're saying. Like, I I don't agree with what they're saying, but I, I see... I, I can definitely say what they're saying is true. He never directly talked about abortion. Uh, abortion's not a word, as far as I know, that it even comes up in uh, the Bible. It would be infanticide and things like this. However, however, uh, Jesus did, in perhaps an indirect way, talk about infanticide, uh, which is the, the, the killing of babies, the, the ritualistic uh, sacrifice of children that did happen And every time Jesus talks about Gehenna, or the Valley of Hinnon, Valley of Hinnon, uh, which was often translated into English as hell, every time he talks about that place, that place was associated with infanticide, with child sacrifice. That People actually took their children there and killed them. So every time Jesus mentions hell in your English Bible, he's actually talking about a place that was known for the killing of babies. Right? The sacrifice of children. Which is something in the Bible that is uh, talked about over and over as something that's very, very negative. Right? It's, it's not something that's ever uh, embraced. Although, Little side note: You have to watch out for the language in in uh, the uh, the Torah of dedicating of the firstborn, because sometimes that looks like child sacrifice, and there's there's some question marks there about whether that existed uh, in uh, the history of the people of Israel. Um, but on the whole, I don't think you can read Jesus and think that he would would have supported um, supported women taking the lives of the babies that are in their wombs. I don't think you would ever reach that conclusion. And in fact, I think you would reach the conclusion that that would not be something that he would support, that he would be positive about. Um, In a time when children were were largely ignored uh, and um, even subjugated, I guess. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, Jesus suffered the little children, right? He said, let the little children come to me. He understood the value that, that children were, were completely as valuable as anybody else at that time. Now today, saying that today, of course, that sounds dumb. Of course, they're valuable. Children have rights, right? We, we, have, we have created a world today where children have, have great and wonderful rights in most of our countries, right? Uh, they have protection. Uh, they are protected by the law. Uh, but that just was not the case, oftentimes. In the Bible, and and we see references to children getting capital punishment for uh, being disobedient in the Bible, right? Now today we'd never think of such a thing. In fact, we we believe that that kind of law is completely immoral, and yet that those words are described about God, or or God, they they are ascribed to God. Right? In his law that apparently came from his lips. Uh, Another reason why I don't read the Old Testament quite as literally as I once did. Uh, And so Jesus valued children and he wanted us to value them more. The same way he wanted us to value women more. He wanted women to be on more equal standing. And you could you could argue. That women's rights began with the ministry of Jesus. I think you could argue that, and 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 you might have trouble refuting it, uh, except for a few cases here and there. Uh, but the Bible began recognizing women uh, as apostles, as as worthy uh, students of Jesus, right? Worthy to sit at his feet and learn from him. Uh, as supporters, and and as uh, traveling companions, uh, as uh, more than just uh, wives and mothers and grandmothers, right? More than that. Uh, And that continued with with Paul and the apostles, uh, allowing churches to be uh, housed by women in their homes, uh, allowing women to be deacons. And even Junia, a woman, to be called an apostle. Now, not many Christians know this, right? This is all uh, hidden from them and, and, and cloaked under uh, different layers of, of reasoning that basically take that away, but that's not what the Bible says. Uh, so Jesus in many ways, especially I would say for the Western Western world, was the beginning of both children's rights and women's rights. And, and, uh, the, the beginning of uh, seeing racism for what it is. Right? The fact that Jesus began to embrace people uh, who were different from him. And that his religion was the the religion that was meant to go to the Gentiles, to bring God to the Gentiles, uh, to embrace the rest of the world, right? He wanted to bring them all into his family as equal members. And I think if you if you spend enough time in the words of Jesus and and his followers, the people who knew him intimately, uh, I think you would be hard pressed to to come out with any other explanation. That is not to say that there aren't some residual uh, sexist um, things that are left in the text, also. Uh, but they weren't; they would not have been considered overly sexist at the time, right, that it was written. Uh, and so, anyway, I'm. I really tried to tackle a uh, subject that uh, I'm not going to be able to to do due diligence to to finish but uh that was that was the conversation I had with John uh and uh I may try to continue this later but I'm just a little late to work and I need to get in quickly so goodbye